0: I'm just a regular, everyday, normal guy. Nothing special about me, motherfucker. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal guy. When I go to the clubs, I wait in line, motherfucker. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal guy. I got $600 in the bank, motherfucker. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal guy. And my sexual performances are... Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of the Big Nobody Podcast. I am the Chief Executive Nobody, aka the CEN of the Mesh News Project. My name is Steven Beckman and I'm glad you're deciding to join me today because we're going to do as we do every week and that is to take three stories which don't seem connected and weld them together, and show you what is technically called eye of command, or being able to see the larger chessboard. Today, we're going to be talking about three topics. One is the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve. The second is digital amnesia, and the third topic we're going to be talking about is the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. So we're going to learn about each one of those topics separately and then we're going to show you how those three unseemingly separate things are actually part of a much bigger picture. Now let's go ahead and get started first on the Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve. So what is the Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve? Um, everyone has actually experienced Ebbinghaus forgetting curve if you've ever studied for a test or crammed for a test. Uh, Most people. Oh, we're gonna end that. We're gonna get rid of that right now. Fuck those notifications. Yeah. By the way, we make everything on the smartphone in my pocket here. Everything. Every video. Um, all the content, the website, etc., the podcast, everything, everything is done with the pocket rectangle on my person. Uh, so sometimes we have some technical difficulties like that. So you're going to have to, uh, uh, let me apologize. So anyways, going back to the podcast, what is the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve? Um, everyone's experienced it. It's like, uh, (laughs) it's when you cram for a test, you take, you remember everything you need for that test. You take the test. And then your mind goes and you forget it forever. It's why you can take four years of Spanish in high school and a year of it in college and only know how to say the cheese is old and moldy and where's the bathroom in Espanol. Um, The Ebbinghaus forgetting curve is when our brains toss out information that we don't value or see the value in holding on to long cur- long term, it is a real thing, it's got a name, Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve, um, you know, it's humans, this Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve, um, humans, it's, it's a really new phenomenon, humans have really been engaging in this type of behavior only since, I want to say, modern, um, Society has been uh, industrialized, I guess. It was less a phenomenon up until then. Considering, you know, if you spent your time learning anything, it was usually for survival. And um, yeah, the the instances of it are just rapidly increasing, and it's why we all have that similar experience of like cramming for a test taking the test and just utterly forgetting it and just, you know, I want to say a week later, two weeks later, um, it's why, you know, our ancestors um, held on to things for so long and why history was passed down, like the Bible and recorded histories, because um, it was important not to forget everything. And some, and we didn't have writing forever, and so a lot of our history was passed down orally. So this is a rather new phenomenon and and, and it is and it's only increased due to the fact that um, how society is structured now. I personally personally deal with this almost every day. believe it or not, our news project. What we like to do in the morning, every morning I wake up around 4 a.m., and um, I do a rundown of the news, and I break down the five news stories that are important, I feel, that are important for people to pay attention to and um, consume and add that to their pile of knowledge in their head, whether or not they forget it or, un- or don't forget it, thanks to the house Forgetting Curve. But I, you know, I do an absolute drill down of the news. I look at just every fire hose I can for about an hour in the morning, and the the the, the stories that squeal out at me um, is usually what I'll include in um, the news. And you know, what I'm saying I only think there's usually about five important stories to keep either keep up with or or or. Um, maintain an awareness of stories that I think it's not we we don't we don't talk about gossip um, if a story hits hard on Twitter or all over social media like if it comes out in the middle of the day and everyone's already talking about it then I usually don't bring it up in the morning I you know what I'm saying I imagine and it's been touched on thanks to everyone on the internet and there're really things that I feel like hey you might need to hold on to this you might need to drip this into your brain um you know what I'm saying, like I said, they're the ones that just really squeal out to me. Um, and then, yeah, that's my little morning bowl of cereal uh, for the daily news. And that's not, um, I want to say our main focus for the channel, but it's something I like to do because I feel like we have so much news out there, I want to put out a product that's less news, and I get you the entire news, including the weather. Etc., in 55 seconds, believe it or not. All the news that you need to know for that day. It's everything you need to know. And then you can go on with your day. Because there's so much bullshit out there. There's so many just web, you know, people weaving a web, weaving a narrative. And um, it's a personal service I like to do to the people who are cool enough to follow me. And, you know, I, I am just a big nobody. Hence the podcast name. So I absolutely appreciate when someone, any, anyone actually thinks that I might be a person worth um, following and consuming my content. But I experience that almost daily, believe it or not, the Ebbing House Forgetting Curve, because I will spend, God, three hours sometimes before I can get it done in an hour, but I just kept adding things to my morning news. Uh, it's it's called T L D R. It's too long didn't read kind of thing. I just played off that. But um, if you follow us, you totally totally know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so I will literally spend almost sometimes three hours if it's a day where I'm really searching for those 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 little gold nuggets every day. Because believe me, they're just there's so much. There's, you have to drink from the fucking virus, then I have to format it. Then I have to create it. Then I have to find the video clips or pictures that correlate along with it. Yeah, da-da-da-da-da-da. But anyways, I'm going on and on about that. That's not important. But what is important is the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve. And I will spend literally almost sometimes three hours personally with these headlines. And by 5 p.m.? 4 p.m.? I completely forgot most of the things (laughs) that that I did the morning news on. It's kind of fucking bananas. Um... It's like basically every morning I'm cramming for a test. I'm trying to put out things that I think are worthwhile for any globally conscious and responsible adult to keep tabs on. And it's crazy because right when I wake up, I just have my phone right next to me. And I turn that, that bad boy on. And the first thing I do is do the news. And it's crazy how I spend so much time, personal time with it every day. And yet, I'll be like, what was that that happened today? What happened today? I'll like, I'll totally forget. It's crazy. So I, 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 I experience this almost daily. Um, but yeah, that's the Abbey House Forgetting Curve. So that's the first topic I want to talk about today. The second topic I want to talk about is digital amnesia, aka the Google effect. You can look this up. You can type in digital amnesia or the Google effect into... Uh, search engine and basically it's the experience digital amnesia it's a real thing it's a real behavioral um uh, it's a real behavioral uh trait observed by behavioral scientists it's called it's called digital amnesia and it's the experience of forgetting information that you trust a digital device or source to store and remember for you um, a study found evidence of digital amnesia equally amongst men and women, and across all age groups. Believe it or not, the things that we forget now, off the top of the head, because of digital amnesia, are things like phone numbers, email addresses, physical at physical directions to places in your own hometown. For fuck's sake, um, key survival information like tr- like. Uh, family trades, um, like carpentry or, you know I'm saying? What have you, uh, recipes, ethnic history, remedies, language, but yeah, do you remember, but, uh, yeah, do you remember, um, what it was like to remember all the people that you hung out with cell phone number and believe it or not, they say the brain can keep, track of around 25 people personally uh, before our brain starts to have gaps and people become associates. Believe it or not, you can only have around 25 friends. And believe it or not, I think that's the amount of telephone numbers I remembered. I knew my mom's phone number. I knew my mom's work number. Uh, You know, I knew all my buddies' phone numbers to their house. The girl I was into... Uh, the number to Blockbuster Video... so I can call to see if they had any cool Super Nintendo games... but I think that... I mean, looking back on that... I really do... I really... you know, it really shows to me that... you know, that 25 number... it is about true... it's about 25... but yeah, so we're forgetting things like that... phone numbers... email addresses, etc... Um, and our brains are evolving... to become more and more active... in the frontal lobe... and prefrontal cortex because of digital amnesia. They have scanned our... uh, Behavioral scientists have scanned the brains of people of all ages and found that the human race in a very short time compared to people who grew up who were not digital natives, more so boomers and like Gen Xers, um, and the brains are significantly different. The brain activity in the... for uh, millennials, um, late... Gen Xers and Gen Zs, I guess we're calling them z- uh, uh, Zoomers, I guess that's a name for Gen Z, is mm-hmm. Zoomers with a Z, um, is basically um, a significant portion of our brain activity is in our frontal lobe, which just has to deal with survival and short-term memory and you know social cues, etc. like that, whereas Somebody who is not a digital native, a Gen Xer, um, or a baby boomer, um, their brain activity is distributed more equally throughout the brain. Isn't that significant? So we already, the internet is already making humans evolve. Who knows? We might all have giant Tyra Banks foreheads in the next couple hundred years because of it. <laughs> who knows? But, um, what this is doing is making uh, less activity in the hippocampus, which is responsible for long-term memory and what it is called genetic memory. Believe it or not, which gives us genetically inherited awareness, uh, behavioral traits, um, understanding—you know—inherited uh, awareness things like, you know, what poison is, um, subconscious consequences. Understanding of that, believe it or not, culture tastes and taboos, things that we consider culturally taboo. Uh, they actually did a test about genetic memory. It's a real thing where they bred mice. And what the mice and what they did with the mice was, um, they had two cages, and one cage, they would electrify the floor, on a certain kind of uh, of grid pattern on a, in a on a mice cage, on one group and on another group they would not electrify the floor at different intervals. Believe it or not, and they, since you know, rats and mice breed uh, ex, you know significantly fast, they bred quite a few generations. And believe it or not, within I think like three to four generations. Mm-hmm. Um, the rats who got shocked in the cage with particular patterns underneath the cage, but like a cage pattern like tact- tactile, like text tactile patterns, um, they were inherently afraid of and avoided that pattern in the cage. And that's because so we um, because when the nervous system, then you can essentially program long-term behaviors in the nervous system of a species, and if you do that to enough of them after a few generations, it will be passed on genetically, and we'll already have a predisposition to a certain stimulus, believe it or not. Crazy, huh? Um, So, yeah, so it's affecting things um, like uh, genetic memory, genetically inherited awareness, um, etc., and believe it or not, the movie Idiocracy is a... if You know how a lot of people say Rick and Morty? It's actually really scientifically smart if you understand the jokes. Like, the jokes are sm, like, like awesome on another, much deeper level. Well, believe it or not, so is the movie Idiocracy. If you have never seen the movie Idiocracy. But the Idiocracy... You know, they, people. A lot of people see *Idiocracy* and they go, "Oh, ho oh, oh, that movie's silly and it funny." It's becoming a documentary, but believe it or not, *Idiocracy*'s movie and has applied the um, the long-term evolutionary prediction on how digital amnesia will affect human behavior, and that's why everyone in the movie is so fucking stupid. Did you know that? That's actually digital amnesia. And what they did was um, write that into the story and to the character traits and how people will behave in the distant future because of things like digital amnesia. Yeah, right? Kind of cool. Believe it or not, already one third of the digital native adult population already suffers from noticeable digital amnesia so i already said that they already tested um different portions of different generations but to put a number on it around one-third of of voting adults um, suffers from noticeable digital amnesia so it's noticeable it's noticeable so now that I've scared you about how you're losing your mind, you don't realize it because you have a pocket rectangle. Um, there are some tips, essentially, on how to slow digital amnesia effects. Uh, one is to ensure that you do not carry your mobile phone to bed at night. I don't know why that's significant, but these are these are traits that um, behaviorists have. Highlighted that can make that can slow digital amnesia effects. They said they can't stop it because it's just how our society is becoming structured. So don't bring your phone to bed, um, turn off notifications, and uninstall, uninstall and offload non essential apps. For Jim uh, you know saying, something that you don't need, like email. So don't carry like fast answer apps and resources. They essentially, I guess, that's to make your brain. Work for it and store that knowledge. Um... Instead of using GPS everywhere... Print Google Direction Maps... And have a tangible piece of... Of... Uh... Information that you can touch. Because believe it or not... Your your brain will absorb it... Because it's tactile... Because it's using multiple senses. And use those to get to the destination... If you don't know how to get somewhere. I know, right? So we got to kill trees to save our brains. Um observe a screen-free day at least once a week believe it or not digital sabbaticals are going to be necessary to pres- preserve our original brain and keep us from the internet changing the way our brain um, essentially works um number five is potential r- risks the brain can be minimized by using headphones or loudspeakers while calling Especially when network quality is low and the mobile phone is functioning to its maximum potential. And I, I, I guess because if you're speaking more so out loud and instead of just holding you know, uh, a, a glass rectangle up to your face, your brain will register it more like talking to a person in physical world instead of just this person trapped in your little phone. And it'll help you retain the information on that phone call. So those are the five things I guess behaviorists have discovered so far that will help us to keep from, you know, our brains turning into goo. But uh, yeah, digital amnesia—it's a real thing. It's changing the way humans behave, um, and who you know, what I'm saying there's already predictions for how that will actually be, how that actually affect us, and. Uh, future. I definitely suggest checking out the Idiocracy movie and really looking at it now through a different lens and seeing those people and be like, wow, that was smart. It wasn't just a bunch of extras acting like morons. That's our possible future. Now the third topic I want to talk about is the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. And the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, believe it or not, um, regulates digital communications policy. Did you know that? I didn't know that. But the House Committee on Digital Energy and Commerce regulates digital communication policy. And it doesn't sound like that department should be involved in that, right? Um, to be honest, I personally think it's possible named name something arbitrary to conceal its true power. So, because in Mar- on March 25th, and 2021... Right right smack dab in the middle of the longest two weeks to slow the spread. So far, at least. Who knows? We might go on a third year. Two years to slow the spread, for fuck's sake. Um, But yeah, March 25th, 2021, they called in all major digital platforms like Google and Facebook and Twitter to strong-arm them into how they would like them to start filtering the Internet. Um, It's crazy because... You know, we come down so hard on China for censoring their internet, and yet we do it, but we do it in plain sight by using the most arbitrary name committee um, to essentially filter the internet. Um, they were trying to strong arm platforms like Google, Facebook, and Twitter to strong arm them into shadow banning censoring, indeed platforming those who speak out on topics that the government considers misinformation and hold certain beliefs or loyalties to micro-dogmas like fucking, I don't know QAnon, anti-government narratives against vaccines questioning biological science, and upping baseless censorship against already declassified behavior that gets you on an NSA and Department of Homeland Security watch list. um... Believe it or not, the, the the things that get you on those watch lists are fairly crazy. And if every and and I don't know if you guys remember, but there's been significant since that time, there's been significant what they call uh the the, the great deplatforming or 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 um, censoring waves happening on the internet where You know, everyone will say on Twitter, oh, I just lost 10,000 followers today or what have you. Well, the reason why it comes in waves is so they don't hit us so hard on what their actual goal is. So they just hit us in waves and they'll they'll de-platform people in, 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 in small bursts like that. And they do it enough times, it becomes normalized. But if they did it all once, it would be a shock to the system. So that's why you only see like a thousand dropping here, 5,000 dropping here, etc. They're doing it slowly over time. They're slow boiling the frog essentially to get us to eventually when we... Because believe it or not, censorship, oh my God, censorship. Before the Before the internet became the main form of communication between so many people, being censored was a huge deal. But through these new methods, thanks to the direction of the U.S. government, not the platforms. Believe it or not, the platforms want you to be happy. The platforms want you to fucking yammer on. They want you, They want everybody. They, they even want the crazy people. You know why? Because that's more behavioral data they get, and they could sell to companies to sell you more shit. They want everybody. Okay? So it's easy to fucking say shit like, The technocracy! Like... It's easy to shake your fist at a certain group of people if you don't know how things actually motherfucking work. And believe it or not, the House Committee on Energy and Commerce are setting these precedents. And they're forcing the platforms to be the bad guy. So before you lose your shit, start, you know, thinking, you know... Google or YouTube or Twitter or CEOs, etc. are the ones censoring you. It's not. It's the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. And those American businesses would like to remain in the United States. They want everybody's data. Believe it or not, data has now become more lucrative than the the carbon-based fuel industry. Would you believe that? Would you believe that? So they're throwing out more profits, the more people they have to censor. But the U.S. government sees that um, commerce is less important and controlling the narrative is much more important. By the way, did anybody remember that? Because remember that happened in March 25th, 2021? That they were all called in and essentially first they were yelled at. Then they were like, I guess, like shamed or their their dedication to the country was sort of questioned and through doublespeak were essentially almost threatened to um toe the line. Did anybody remember that? Did anybody remember that meeting? Right? But wasn't that low key as fuck? Right? Did you know that... Did anybody know essentially that the Digital Bilderberg Group of Online Policymaking was being held without your say or vote back in March 2021? To make sure you don't talk about things like science that wasn't, you know, on mainstream news? It's interesting that... um, That's what they were worried about. We don't want people talking about science. We don't want people using the scientific method to constantly perfect our science. Okay, well, now keeping that in mind, let me play you a clip from Alan Savory, which is a globally respected scientist in ecology on that particular um, topic in general. Here's some words that he had to say in regards to science, and not so much questioning the science, but discussing it.
0: People talk glibly about science. What is science? People coming out of a university with a master's degree or a PhD, you take them into the field, and they they literally don't believe anything unless this is a peer-reviewed paper. It's the only thing they accept. And you say to them, but Let's observe, let's think, let's discuss, they don't do it. It's just, is it in a peer-reviewed paper or not? (laughs) That's their view of science. I think it's pathetic. Gone into universities as bright young people. They come out of them brain dead, not even knowing what science means. They think it means peer-reviewed papers, etc. No, that's academia and if a paper is peer-reviewed it means everybody thought the same therefore they approved it an unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges new scientific insights they can never ever be peer-reviewed so we're blocking all new advances in science that are big advances if you look at the breakthroughs in science Almost always, they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity.
1: I think that's a uh, powerful words coming from a very well-respected scientists and ecologists on the very topic that the U.S. government is so afraid that we all talk about. Um, but yeah. Who who remembers that even took place? Um, you know, they published it. That was in the news, but it was in the news for one day only. It was only briefly in the news cycle for one day only. And by the way, that's how they hide things in plain sight. In the new media landscape that we have now, I guess you want to call it. Um, I guess the the real wording for what it is is that's you know I'm saying how how the news hides things because uh, I essentially you know we're, we live in the omni-channel firehose media ecosystem now where you know we have smart TVs and smartphones and. Digital assistants and, you know, um, streaming radio, satellite radio, digital billboards, print media, TV, TV commercials, streaming services. So our choices are so much more vast. And believe it or not, Snowden has this great quote. Where he says the biggest conspiracies are often hiding in plain sight. And essentially what he's saying is the fact that because, our, because of our media landscape and how we are so inundated with things, we don't essentially, you know what I'm saying, they could tell us what they're doing, but since there's so much coming at us and we just believe it'll always be there, Going back to digital amnesia, we just believe it'll be on the internet for us to pull from if if there's an emergency. That now they can just hide very important things in front of us. There there there. I mean there are conspiracies now. I guess you would call it people conspire. I mean there's even there's a reason why the Justice Department has a charge of conspiracy. So believe it or not, the word conspiracy shouldn't be as taboo. I mean if the U.S. government specifically has time you will spend in jail for the fact that you conspired to do something but the conspiring of the 1% happens in plain sight now because of how our media is laid out it's it's changed but yeah that's how they that's how they hide things from us now and if anybody if anybody starts to gain awareness or something gains traction around someone's like hey whoa whoa whoa, whoa what are you guys doing over here they can be like, oh, well, we didn't try to hide this from you. Look, we reported on this for 14 seconds on March 21st and 2021. Does anybody know what the fuck they were doing on that day? What happened on that Tuesday Nope. That's how they hide things. So they can fall back on what we told you. Now, do you see why digital amnesia is so scary now? Now, by removing these... Now, going back to the... Um, Spanking uh, the digital platforms, the major digital platforms at the House Committee on Energy and Commerce got. Now, the, the reason why by 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 them telling platforms like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. to remove these people from the national zeitgeist or conversation, if you will, they eliminate dissonance and opposition. So, essentially, we're the same as China. We just do it in a different manner. Do you know what I'm saying? Our government will fuck us in the ass, but they'll, they'll spit on it before they do it. They're so nice. There's a great Al Franken quote. Now, we got nothing against Al Franken, and he meant this in a more positive terms, believe it or not. But he, he, he's quoted as saying, if you control the flow of information... You can control the conversation around important issues. If you can control the, the conversation, you can change this country. Now his, uh, I'm understanding his implied uh, quote was more for a positive. Like, hey, if we control this information, we can change this country for the better. We can get rid of the bad people. But I think... Everyone being able to be part of this conversation is what made the American experiment so damn great. But like I said, we got nothing against Al Franken. It's just interesting how they say the quiet part out loud without even realizing the implications. I don't even think he was even realizing what he was saying had a negative connotation. So that's third topic we're talking about today. The House Committee on Energy and Commerce. Now, the reason why I'm talking about these three topics today is because this hit me like a ton of bricks, these three things, um, after I just came off a recent YouTube ban. I was banned for a week. And I was banned for a week because a video they labeled as medical misinformation. Now, what was this medical misinformation video that I uploaded? Had nothing to do with medical or medicine or COVID nineteen or how do you. Basically, it was a video recorded by a real person in Australia because we all know what's going on in Australia is fucking bananas. Um, it's a real motherfucking video of a bunch of people who occupied a bar without masks, believe it or not. And Australia is absolute Nazis right now. And the cops show up, and when the cops show up, literally the bar is jam-packed full of people. And they scream at the cops, and they tell them to go and leave. And they start chanting. I forget what the chant was. But I was like, oh, this is interesting. I saw it on Twitter. Twitter is just, you know what I'm saying, besides Storyful, which I can't afford. Uh, it's way too pricey for my blood. But aside from Storyful, Twitter is where news happens. And I saw this video come across, and I've seen just the tons of people global protests against the pandemic. But this was a different kind of protest. This was a large group of people who said, fuck it, collectively, and occupied a local bar, almost like they were occupying a fort or a stronghold, and would not be taken away from their normal lives. And so I uploaded the video. There's no medical misinformation. It was literally documenting... An event that actually happened. What happened next was then YouTube banned me on the basis of medical misinformation. Me just uploading a literal historical event. Can you believe that? Now, I can't be mad at YouTube. Like I said, this is the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. YouTube, Google, uh, Facebook, Twitter... Uh, the, the the big platforms they're being if they want to continue to do business in the United States they must adhere to the House committee now because this happened I started a account on a great platform named Odyssey. Basically, Odyssey is a decentralized version of YouTube, and I want to really want to tell you, Odyssey is a sleeping giant in free speech. A lot of people are saying, and I'm not dogging these other platforms. Rumbles great. All this other kind, uh, Gab, Gab's, Gads, Gab is a, a, a great alternative. For free speech, but for video in particular, because they're coming down on people for these things. The uh, the one percenters are essentially censoring the internet. And then if these people wanted to want to continue to do business here, they have to adhere to these things. Isn't it funny how big tech left China because they're too oppressive? And then now here China and now here the US is pretty much China. So I started a channel on there, and it's essentially just for clips. Of videos, I think will essentially be deleted from the internet. Uh, I've got the church committee hearings on there where, you know, the CIA literally admits that they have industry plants. This is in the 70s, by the way, industry plants in the media that control the national narrative. I've got just so many things that I've just been saving in playlists. And um, I'm afraid as things get worse, More and more of important pieces of history are going to disappear. And so I found this place. Uh, Odyssey is absolutely about free speech. I mean, you will get creators on there who will offend you. There are, you know what I'm saying? There are people with their opinions. It is not a consumer product. It is essentially a platform for human peoples. To create and upload content and that is only where it exists. It is not partisan. It doesn't have a position on the content. Obviously, as long as it's not violent content that harms people, but your opinions, your free speech, what have you. And I am now I have now started a channel there where I just upload clips like the one about Australia because essentially these platforms are being forced to edit history. You know, saying that's essentially the, the 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 banning of channels that create content, upload clips of things that go against the national narrative is essentially book burning. It's the modern version of book burning. So the three topics we went over today, Ebbinghaus, Forgetting Curve, Digital Amnesia and the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. I want you to understand those three separate ideas are actually all tied together and they're important to understand how one affects the other because, you know, first and foremost with the Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve, we are hit by so much media that we come in contact with things that are uh, 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 essentially a barometer on what the fuck is going on. And, you know, there's so much coming at us that we're going to forget. We can't rely on these digital resources that is causing us to have digital amnesia to hold these things for us. And now that the the U.S. government is quietly implementing policy, forcing your platform to censor you for things that does not go with the national narrative, does not sell vaccines, In in the very near future, people like historians are going to be silenced, smeared, and shut down. You know, and... We need tribal leaders now more than ever to hoard recorded history, not as some like great charge, but to avoid our children and our children's children to wake up in a prison where their only role in this new techno dystopia is no longer a crucial cog in the machine of the collective American experiment, but now as just gasoline a stupid treadmill consumer. It's important for all of us to start hoarding the present to protect the erasure of the past. You know, there's this great scene in the movie Cloud Atlas by the Wachowskis. Um there's a, there's a there's an act think it's like the second act of the movie. It takes place in Neo-Soul. It's a scene where there are now three majorly different classes of evolved humans. Um, And now that that scene doesn't seem so far-fetched now. Now that we're understanding how our brains are evolving. How we're forgetting things. What the long-term effects of digital amnesia are a new society where there's essentially three classes of people. There's the servant essential worker class, the consumer class, and the ruling class. This is all laid out in that movie Cloud Atlas. That all probably seems like some kind of, you know I'm saying, well put together story and yeah Tom Hanks was in it and Halle Berry etc and maybe you passed by that and didn't realize they were actually showing you our future if this new techno um, authoritarian form of government continues what essentially will be humanity I think George Orwell said it best he who controls the past controls the future. Who, co- who controls the present now controls the past. Thanks for listening to the Big Nobody Podcast. I'm just a regular everyday normal motherfucker And Michael Keaton was my favorite bat